Marley was dead to begin with. And we all know the story. Scrooge and the ghosts getting it done all in one night. And Tiny Tim, who did not die. Welcome to the Story Forge podcast special Christmas episode. I'm Lyle Smith, your host. And today I want to talk about something that went unnoticed until I just recently reread A Christmas Carol. We've all seen it a thousand times, from Alistair Sim to George C. Scott to Captain Jean-Luc Picard, with music and without, with Muppets and without, with Bill Murray and without. But if it's been a while since you read the book, that marvelous book, released on December 19th, 1843, every copy sold by Christmas Eve, it's never been out of print. Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And if you spend the time to read it once again, there's a scene in Stave 3 with the ghost of Christmas present. Just after Scrooge is introduced to his employee's family for the first time, the family he never thought to ask about. It's a literary montage. You can picture it cinematically, and it is wonderful. But if you had judged from the numbers of people on their way to friendly gatherings, you might have thought that no one was at home to give them welcome when they got there. Instead of every house expecting company and piling up its fires half chimney high, blessings on it how the ghost exalted, how it bared its breath of breast and opened its capacious palm and floated on, outpouring with a generous hand its bright and harmless mirth on everything within its reach. The very lamplighter who ran on before, dotting the dusky street with specks of light, and who was dressed to spend the evening somewhere, laughed out loudly as the spirit passed. Though little kenned the lamplighter that he had any company but Christmas. And now, without a word of warning from the ghost, they stood upon a bleak and desert moor where monstrous masses of rude stone were cast about as though they were the burial place of giants, and water spread itself wheresoever it listed, or would have done so but for the frost that held it prisoner. And nothing grew but moss and furs and coarse rank grass. Down in the west the setting sun had left a streak of fiery red which glared upon the desolation for an instant, like a sullen eye and frowning Lower, lower, lower yet, was lost in the thick gloom of darkest night. What place is this? asked Scrooge. A place where miners live, who labor in the bowels of the earth, returned the spirit. But they know me. See? A light shone from the window of a hut, and swiftly they advanced towards it. Passing through the wall of mud and stone, they found a cheerful company assembled round a glowing fire. And an old, old man and woman with their children and their children's children and another generation beyond that, all decked out gaily in their holiday attire. The old man, in a voice that seldom rose above the howling of the wind upon the barren waste, was singing them a Christmas song. It had been a very old song when he was a boy, and from time to time they all joined in the chorus. So surely as they raised their voices, the old man got quite blithe and loud, and so surely as they stopped, his vigor sank again. 
The spirit did not tarry here, but bade Scrooge hold his robe, and passing on above the moor, sped whither? Not to see. To see. To Scrooge's horror, looking back, he saw the last of the land, a frightful range of rocks behind them, and his ears were deafened by the thundering of water as it rolled and roared and raged among the dreadful caverns it had worn and fiercely tried to undermine the earth. Built upon a dismal reef of sunken rocks, some league or so from the shore, on which the waters chafed and dashed the wild year through, there stood a solitary lighthouse. Great heaps of seaweed clung to its base, and storm birds, born of the wind one might suppose, as seaweed of the water, rose and fell about it like the waves they skimmed. But even here, two men who watched the light and made a fire, that through the loophole in the thick stone wall shed out a ray of brightness on the awful sea, joining their horny hands over the rough table at which they sat, they wished each other Merry Christmas in their can of grog. And one of them, the elder too, with his face all damaged and scarred with hard weather as the figurehead of an old ship might be, struck up a sturdy song that was like a gale in itself. Again the ghost sped on above the black and heaving sea, on, on until being far away as he told Scrooge from any shore, they lighted on a ship. They stood beside the helmsman at the wheel, the lookout in the bow, the officers who had the watch, dark ghostly figures in their several stations. But every man among them hummed a Christmas tune or had a Christmas thought or spoke below his breath to his companion of some bygone Christmas day with homeward hopes belonging to it. And every man on board, waking or sleeping, good or bad, had a kinder word for another on that day than on any day in the year, and had shared to some extent in its festivities, and had remembered those he cared for at a distance, and had known they delighted to remember him. And eventually this story goes on to the one we're very familiar with, but this little glimmer of scenes that happens with unnamed characters gets forgotten in the movies and the plays. And uh, it struck me as something that might have had a bigger impact on Scrooge than almost anything else in the story. I hope you all enjoyed it. Wishing from the Story Forge, uh, wishing you here from the Story Forge a very happy Christmas and a joyous new year. Thanks for listening. Chris Brown.